God, uh, I want to thank you for the CMU workshop. It's been an encouraging couple of days here as we move into our last one. Uh, it always goes by so quickly, and uh, I'm always on kind of a spiritual high by the end of it. Uh, I know I'm not alone in that, and so I pray that uh, as we leave here today and go back home to our ministries, that we'll take that fire with us and we'll carry that to other people uh, as we move into a, a place that is full of people that are lost, God. And I know we've got a couple of months until the fall semester, but um, I just pray that you work in us and through us, that you shape and mold our hearts, and that you use us to bring your light and your life to other people. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, who can tell me what the greatest command in all of Scripture is? Okay, good, right? It's uh, Jesus actually had a guy come and ask him that. It's Matthew 22, uh, starting in verse 36. I think I've got the scripture up here on the PowerPoint for you. Uh, but he had a, a guy come and say, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And, of course, he's referring to the Mosaic law, the law of Moses, the law of the Jews. And Jesus quotes uh, a passage from Deuteronomy 6 known as the Shema, uh, in Hebrew, and this was, uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Uh, and he says that this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. But what I want you guys to see is that the greatest commandment that Jesus says, if you take your Bible, if you have a paper Bible, you know, one of those big, fat, 1,500-page Bibles, Jesus says you can boil that whole thing down to one or two commandments that sort of encapsulate what God would have you learn from it. The greatest commandment of those two is the commandment to love the Lord with all of your heart. And so you're in a class that's about the heart and how we can develop a heart that can stand alone in Babylon. And I want you to know the seriousness of this topic that we're talking about. This is the most important, one of the most important concepts that you need to learn, that God would have you learn, is about your heart and how to shape and mold your heart and have the kind of heart that God would have you have. It is extremely, extremely important, not only for your personal walk, but also for your effectiveness and your having a good life and being able to share that good life with others. It's wrapped up in the kind of heart that you have. And so it's very, very important. Proverbs 4.23 if you're not familiar with this, this is another one you want to take note of. It says what? Above what? Above all else. Does this sound important? Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from the heart. Does it say some of what you do flows from your heart? Does it say on the weekends things flow from your heart? Or maybe the weekdays, or no, it, it says everything flows from your heart. This is very, very important. And it, you know, the new covenant, when we talk about Christianity, when we talk about following Jesus, Jeremiah 31 is where Jeremiah prophesies. This is when they were still under the old law, the law of Moses as Jews. Jeremiah prophesies that there's going to come a day 
when we're no longer under this old law, there's going to be this new way, this new revelation, and he's pointing toward a time when Jesus is going to come, and he's going to fulfill that old law, and he's going to, we're going to enter into the, a new covenant with him through, uh, through Jesus with God, and uh, this is the covenant that we enjoy. I want, you, I want to point this out. It says the days are coming in Jeremiah 31, beginning in 31. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. And look at what he says. A couple of verses later in, in the, verse 33, I will put my law in their minds and I will write it in their hearts. I'll write it on their hearts. You say, what does that mean? Well, we'll talk about it as we go. But what I want you to see is fundamentally, Christianity is about a relational God and how your heart relates to Him. It's about your heart and what you have control over. You have control over your heart. We don't have control over our circumstances. We don't have control over the situation we were born into. We don't have control over often what others do to us in life whether we were raised well, whether we were raised poorly, or whether we come from a great family, whether we come from a broken family, whether we were uh, taken care of as kids, whether we were abused as kids, we don't have control over that. But you want to know what every single one of us has control over, regardless of our circumstance or experience, we have control over the state of our heart. And this is very important. So what is... The heart. There's three questions that I want to address in this lesson. The first one is to that one. What is the heart? Secondly, how can I guard and grow my heart? And then thirdly, how can I evaluate the state of my heart? But biblically, just to start out, what is the heart? Number one, there's four, four things that I want to point out here. Number one, your heart is your true self who only God can see. When the Bible talks about your heart, that's one of those things, those words that we kind of throw around, sort of this nebulous sort of thing, you know, it's heart. And a lot of times when we talk about the heart in our language, we're talking about emotion, and we sort of separate heart and mind. And even in the, in the titles for this lesson, you know, we had one on developing a mind that can stand alone in Babylon, and one that can develop, developing a heart that can stand alone in Babylon. What you need to know, though, is biblically, especially in Hebrew literature, mind and heart, there is no difference. Whatever you think of the heart, you can just think of your mind. And your heart is who you are on the inside that nobody else can see besides God. Your heart is made up of that inner conversation that you have with yourself that only you and God are privy to, except most of the time you don't think about God being privy to it. Your heart is where... Your true opinions lie about this person or that person. Maybe you don't want to share with them, but in your heart you're thinking certain things and making certain judgments that maybe aren't all that godly. Uh, you know that, but they don't know that. But God does know that, right? And God is the only one truly who can see our hearts. And a lot of times, if you guys, if I held up a picture frame up here of like a, a pink elephant, and this, this picture frame, you know, this ornate frame, Card, maybe hand card, right? But if I held up a big framed photo of a pink elephant and I said to you guys, hey, what's in this picture? What would you say? Pink elephant, right? You, not a single one of you, I'll bet you anything, would talk about the frame. Even if it was a really fancy looking frame. You'd probably just say that's a picture of a pink elephant. 
That's how God looks at you. You know, God says whenever we look at people, we take into account their physical appearance a lot of times. We look at skin color. We look at whether we think they're beautiful or not. God looks at the heart. Kind of like when you look at a picture, you don't look at the frame. You look at the picture. And whenever God looks at us, he sees the content of your heart. You know, you see this throughout Scripture. And uh, it's very important to understand that, that he sees that. Uh, but number two, my heart governs everything I think and do. And we'll talk more about that as we go. We already kind of mentioned this in Proverbs. But the heart in the Bible is the governing center for everything. Literally everything. With the heart, you can believe, desire God, obey, or perform the will of God. Or you can do the opposite of all those things, too. All of that takes place in the heart. Why? Number three. My heart is complicated and deceptive. Has anybody ever told you to follow your heart? Because they yeah, Disney gives out some bad advice, man. Disney doles out bad advice. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And then it goes into talking about how God can understand it and God can give us a cure. But as far as you and I are concerned, we're kind of hopeless without God. Because inside, we are not good people. I don't care how good you think you are, if you've sinned a single time, you're messed up. You know, I talked yesterday about the five-year-old slipping me off on the way here. Uh, and I was like, man, that's a fall man right there, right? Uh, those five-year-olds are messed up, even, even as kids. Now, that doesn't mean that I think they're going to be condemned like if they died and stood before God. I think God takes that into account. But they're going to grow up. If they live to be, a, you know, healthy adults like I think they will, they're going to be messed up people. They're already messed up as little kids, right? Um, the heart's messed up. It's a heart problem. Even with the five-year-old flipping the bird, that's a heart issue. We, we have it from the beginning, right? Number four, my heart is going to be judged by God. This is another thing we need to understand. God, whenever we stand before him on judgment day, the Bible talks a lot about him judging our deeds and whether we did good or bad. But guys, fundamentally, as we've said, everything flows from the heart. Your deeds are an extension of what's in your heart. Everything you do is an extension of what's in your heart. Whenever you stand before God, God is going to know your heart, see your heart, and judge your heart. And you're either going to be in eternity with God because of the content of your heart, or you're going to be away from him for an eternity because of the content of your heart. What's in your heart? God's going to judge that. And this is especially, especially, especially important for religious people to understand. Because did you know your being religious puts you in a position where you can greatly be deceived about how great your heart is when it's really not? This happened all the time in Scripture. It says in Isaiah 29, 13, talking about religious people, the Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. These people were going to church. They were praying. They were singing songs. They were coming to the CMU workshop. But their hearts are far from God, even though they were going through the motions. Guys, God doesn't play around like that. We've got to not just go through the motions or do religious activities. We've got to have hearts that are right with God. And so how do we do that? I want to give you five keys to guarding my heart and being blessed by God. I'm going to give you an acronym, GUARD. Okay? And the first one, the G, is if I want to guard my heart, if I want to have a heart that will be blessed by God, I will, G, get into God's Word properly. I will get into God's Word 
properly. And that word properly is important because as I mentioned, you can get into God's word, you know, you can go through the religious motions and not have a heart that pleases God. I used to be a big druggie. And I used to go over to my dealer's house to buy weed. And I would go into his living room to, to get pick up some weed. And, and he would have a Bible open on his uh, coffee table. And I said, hey, JP, what's that Bible doing there? I, I read the Bible every day. What, which, what size sack do you want? You know, and I'd buy my drugs from him. And uh, JP read the book of John every day. At least, at least the passage. But you know what JP wasn't doing? Is he wasn't applying what he was learning. Because if he was applying what he was learning, his life would have been a lot different than what it was. I wouldn't have been sitting in his house buying weed from him because he was my drug dealer. It would have been different, right? But he thought because he read the Bible, he was doing something good. But what he was having to do is willingly and, and forcefully harden his heart against what the Bible said in order to do the kind of have the kind of life he was having. He wasn't doing himself any good by getting into God's word because he was doing it improperly. Whenever we get into the word properly, guys, we get into it humbly, where we allow God's word to correct us, and we also work to internalize it and apply it. And uh, the parable of the soils is a really good illustration of the kind of heart that you need to have. If you're familiar with the parable of the soils, you know there's four different kinds. There's the soil that's represented by the path. There's the soil that's represented by the rocky soil. Then there's the soil that's represented by the, the plants that have the weeds with them. And then there's the good soil. And you might notice only the good soil is, is good. Everything else has problems with it, big problems. But the different kinds of soils that are there, Jesus says, represent the different kinds of hearts that people have. And nobody is a victim of their heart. You guys understand that? Did you know you can you determine the kind of heart that you have? And so if you are a heart that's represented by the path, you have made the decision not to listen. You have made the decision, you know, the Bible says that if you're in the path, they, they, they didn't understand the word of God. The Greek, the implication is they didn't want to understand. They didn't care. Have you ever been in a place in life where you made the decision, I don't care what anybody shows me. I don't care what they say to me. I'm not going to believe that. Or I'm not going to do that. Okay, that's the path. The rocky soil is the one that's tested and falls away when things get hard. Again, they don't want to they want to put in up with pain. The, the weedy guys are the ones that have all these idols in their life that they don't want to tear down. Then they got the good soil that internalizes the word and then applies it and produces a crop. That's a great example. Now, whenever Jesus told that parable to his followers, they came and said, Why do you speak to people in parables? And here's the answer that Jesus gives them that gives us some insight that we can take away and apply to our hearts. It says in Matthew 13, 10, the disciples came and asked, why do you speak to people in parables? And Jesus replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. That's one of those things that can be confusing. We'll come back to that. Remember that, though. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Look at this why. Why will they be that way? For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, 
They might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and I would heal them. Do you see we can harden our hearts to the word of God? We can say that doesn't apply to me. Or we can refuse to evaluate ourselves properly in our pride and say, no, I'm better than that. I, I don't have those problems like everybody else out here. You know what else you can do with pride, though? Is you can say, I'm worse than everybody else. God could never love me. I'm not like everybody else. I'm special. In a bad way. That's nothing but pride because you're just thinking about yourself and you're not believing what God says about you, which is you are loved, you are, you are capable, you are, you, are, you are priceless in God's sight. So don't be prideful and say, no, I'm not. And apply to me. That's, that's, that's hardening your heart to the word of God. And that's something that we miss a lot, guys, but that is nothing but pride. You also need to internalize the word. Deuteronomy 6.6, 6, these commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. 11.18, fix these words of mine in your heart. Job 22.22, lay up his words in your heart. Psalm 119.11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. What does it mean to have the word of God in your heart? Anybody? Memorize it. Memorize it. Do you memorize the Word of God? And if not, why not? Do you have a sin that you struggle with horribly that you just can't seem to get over? Well, have you looked up what the Word of God says about that or what the Word of God encourages you to do and then memorize it so when tempted with that sin, you can quote it? You want to know who's a good example of that? Jesus. Whenever Jesus is led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, see if any of you guys can do this. Satan comes to him and throws a temptation at him. Jesus quotes the book of Deuteronomy three different times, different sections of the book of Deuteronomy that he is able to throw back at Satan's temptation. He is able to not only know the scripture, but apply the scripture relevantly to the situation that he was in. Now, did he, was he able to do that just because he was the Lord? No. He came into the world, the Bible talks about how he gave up his power. He came into the world just like any of us, just like any man. He was tempted in every way, just like you and I were. But even as a little kid, guys, we see him at 12 years old going into the temple. And a lot of times, have you guys ever, uh, anybody in here ever have flannel graphs? I'm older than some of you guys. Um, I grew up in the 80s, and I went to the little small country churches sometimes, and we had these things called flannel graphs which was a big cloth uh, board that they would put up in kids' classes, and then they had these little cloth-like biblical figures that they could put up there, and, and like they had the temple and the steps, and then you know, they'd put little Jesus up there. And in that passage in Luke where it talks about Jesus going to the temple, I remember as a little kid in my flannel graph, they had Jesus in the flannel graph on the temple steps with the scroll open, and they had all of the teachers of the law down at the bottom of the steps listening to Jesus teach as a 12-year-old kid. And so I grew up thinking, oh, he was so smart because he's Jesus. He went and taught all the old people as a 12-year-old at the temple. But if you go read the Bible, that's not what it says. Do you know what it says Jesus was doing as a 12-year-old little kid at the temple? He was asking questions. He was, li he was listening. He wasn't teaching. 
They did marvel at his wisdom because he was conversant with the topics that were there. And he's a little kid. Most kids didn't care about theology. But this kid really did. But he was asking questions. He was seeking out understanding. Guys, he memorized the scriptures because he put the time in. Not just because he like stood by the scroll and absorbed it supernaturally. He put the time in. Are you putting the time in? Do you have heart issues? You need to put the time in. Do you have a regular quiet time? Does your quiet time consist of you opening the Bible app and reading the verse of the day? And saying, oh, I have a quiet time. It's not a very good quiet time. That's a pretty crappy quiet time. It's better than nothing. But you need to put some time in. Get a journal. Write out what God is teaching you. Spend some time. Okay? Part of guarding your heart. Um, Proverbs 4, 20 and 22, and Proverbs 7, 1 through 3, this again is uh, the wise man teaching his son to hold on to these commandments and to internalize them. But I think you guys get the point. Um, but a heart attack under this one, guys, I'm going to talk about a heart attack. You want to guard your heart, get into the word properly, humbly, internalize it, apply it. A heart attack is ignoring the word of God. As a heart attack, you can inflict upon yourself if you ignore the word of God, okay? The U in our acronym is uncover my greatest desire. Uncover my greatest desire. Ask, what is my greatest desire really? All of you are familiar with Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14, I'm pretty sure. For I know the plans I have for you, uh, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future, then you will call on me and come and pray to me, I will, and I will listen to you. Uh, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you. What I want you guys to understand is this, this passage, whatever you think about seeking God, you know, the Bible says God has these plans for you. God has plans to prosper you. He's got this future to give you. He's got these things he wants to use you to do. And then you say, man, that sounds good. I want that. And then you follow along and get down here where it says you need to seek God with all your heart. What do you think about when it's when you think about your seeking God with all your heart? What are the kinds of things that just pop in your mind? Maybe when you were studying this out for the first time, or when somebody brought this to you. When I talk to people, they think about, well, I need to go to church. I need to pray. I need to read my Bible. I need to repent of uh, some sins and change some stuff in my life. I need to quit doing drugs, quit drinking, quit sleeping around, you know, whatever it might be. I need to change some externals about myself and change the way I live. Did you know how you can translate that word seek in Hebrew? And this is perfectly fine to do if you want to make a note of it in your Bible. You can do this. Instead of seek, put the word desire in there. Okay? You will seek me and find me when you desire me with all your heart. Does that change things for you a little bit? Because it goes from making you focus on externals to making you focus on what's taking place internally with you. Again, guys, what is the greatest command? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Do you see how that connects to this? What God is calling these people to when he says to seek me or desire me with your whole heart is just first commandment faithfulness. Which, by the way, the, the first commandment in the Old Testament of the Ten Commandments is there are no other gods before me. Right? That ties into the greatest commandment in all scripture, too. It's first commandment faithfulness. Love God with everything. Put it first. 
This is first commandment faithfulness in Jeremiah 29. It's tied to your heart and the state of your heart. And if you have a desire in your life that rivals your desire for God internally, you are not going to be able to tap into this great life that God has for you. And a lot of times we can get so caught up in what this verse says, especially with costumes. I don't know how many people I've seen over the years get confused about what this means because when they, when they see that God has plans for them and he, he wants to bless them, immediately they align their dreams in their minds that they have. I want a girlfriend. I want a good job. I want a new car. I want some new shoes. And they Joel Osteen this passage and they get mad at God whenever they don't get all the stuff they thought God was going to give them because uh, he's their vending machine. That's what happens whenever you don't tear down your idols in your heart and you try to approach God like he's your piggy bank. What God is saying is, I am the treasure. I am what you should desire most. Relationship with me is what's going to bless you the most. Not all this other stuff that you get caught up lusting after and putting in place of God. Even good things, guys. It's good to want a wife or a husband or children or you know, a good job. But anytime you take a good thing and make it a God thing, it becomes a bad thing. But that's what we do inside our hearts. And so we've got to be very, very careful not to do that. First Chronicles 28.9. This is David commissioning Solomon. And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind for the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. If you seek him, he will by, be found by you, but if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. First commandment, faithfulness, guys. We're not going to be able to fool God. And honestly, you can fool me. You can fool your neighbor. You can go through the motions. Like I said, it is so easy for religious people to miss the importance of the heart and to, to be idolaters who attend church. You can fool any person, but you can't fool God because he searches your heart. He knows your desire. Guys, even people who get into ministry sometimes get into ministry because they want to be made much of. But they're so good at hiding that nobody ever knows. It's a temptation. We've got to get our hearts right. A heart attack here is allowing other desires to compete with our desire for God as the greatest. It's very, very easy to do, guys. A. The A in our acronym is ask God for help continually. Are you leaning on God for help? Jeremiah 24. Look at who gives us a new heart in the scriptures. Look at what this says. Jeremiah 24, verse 7. I will give them, I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord. They will be my people and I will be their God, for they will return to me with all their heart. Jeremiah 32, 39. I will give them singleness of heart and action so that they will always fear me and that all will then go well for them and for their children after them. And this is God talking. God works in our hearts. Ezekiel 11, this will clarify maybe a question you have right now because of that. Uh, Ezekiel 11, 19-21, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. Then there's a big but. But 
As for those whose hearts are devoted to their vile images and detestable idols, I will bring down on their own heads what they have done, declares the sovereign Lord. Okay, do you guys remember when Jesus says, whoever has will be given more, but whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them? This is what he's referring to. What the Bible teaches is if you are with your heart moving toward God, God is going to come alongside you supernaturally and strengthen you to move faster and more effectively. But if in your heart you make the decision to move away from God, God is going to harden your heart and move you away from him, and which is scary. Because you can get to the point, scripturally, where you've hardened your heart consciously and willingly so much that you go beyond where God is willing to come and help you get away from You can harden your heart to God's truth. You know, the Bible talks about God sending some people a powerful delusion because they refuse to believe the truth. And so we say God sent them a powerful delusion. If God sends you a powerful delusion to keep you away from him because of your unrepentant heart, do you think you're going to be able to overcome that powerful illusion that God sent it on you? Okay? But you can read these passages sometimes and talk about God working in your heart and come away with Calvinism, which is we're all robots and don't really make decisions. What the Bible teaches is if your proclivity is to move toward God, God is going to, by your own choice, move toward God. God is going to empower you and help you. If your proclivity by your own choice is to move away from God, God is going to usher you away. And I think part of how he does that sometimes is to protect his people. But you guys, you know, we can all ask him why it works that way. Um, Ephesians 3, though, this is uh, a practical point here. Ephesians 3, 16-19, this is Paul talking. And Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, talking about Jesus, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Paul is praying by God's Holy Spirit for these people's hearts to be strengthened. When he says your inner being, that's what he's referring to. God is praying for these people he loves to have their hearts strengthened by the Holy Spirit so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. There is a supernatural element to this, guys. And there's a lot of other scriptures that we can look at. This is something that God, by his Holy Spirit, does. And you know what the Bible teaches that you can do to ask for help from God. You can pray every day that he will give you more of his Holy Spirit. You can pray every day that God will work to shape your heart. And guys, you can repent of your sin and move toward God. But if you continue willingly hardening your heart against sin or to sin that God says is going to keep you from him, guys, you're playing with fire if you do that. That is a dangerous thing because you don't want to make an enemy of the living God. You don't want to do that. But it, in your heart, that's where that battle is fought. And so the heart attack here is trying to get our heart right without relying on God uh, or just ignoring God. R in our acronym is rely on God's people. If you want to have a heart that's blessed by God, rely on God's people. You need community in your life if you're going to have a heart that God accepts. It says in Hebrews 3, 12 and 13, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Well, how? He 
tells you the next verse, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You see how community ties into your heart. We need to be in one another's lives. We need to encourage one another. It says in Hebrews 10, 22-25, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. That's talking about the day of judgment when God's going to come and judge our hearts. He says, have that in mind and be together and be encouraging and spurring on, because there is no such thing as a person who is a disciple of Jesus who says... I don't want to be part of the church. That's not a thing. Now, I know that is a thing, and people do say that, but as far as God is concerned, whenever that kind of attitude or that kind of heart is brought before him on Judgment Day, if someone just lives that way, you know what Jesus is going to say to them? Away from me, I never knew you. That's how significant it is to be part of a community. You cannot become who God wants you to be apart from a healthy community of God. You cannot do it. Now, you can be part of a healthy community of God and keep your walls up and be isolated, not really let anybody get to know the real you. I had a dream a few years ago. And um, my wife is black. I don't know what inspired uh, this dream. Uh, we've got a painting on our wall of a black church, and man, there, it's, I bought it for her birthday. Uh, and it, it reminds her of, didn't you say it reminded you of the church she used to go to a long time ago? Yeah. She used to play piano at a church a long time ago. And uh, in, this, in this photo, or in this uh, painting, rather, there's this guy in a suit preaching, and he's got his hands up, and there's all the ladies with their big church hats on, and they're fanning themselves, and like, you see the kids look bored in the corner, but everybody's getting into it, you know, and, like, you can just tell, man, this would be a fun room to be in. But I had a dream one night, and, uh, and it was sort of like the real life sort of picture in my mind of what that was like, and this was up there preaching, and these church ladies had their big hats on, they were fanning, and when the preacher would preach, they would say, Amen! Amen! And this preacher was saying, You've heard it said that home is where the heart is. Amen! Preach, amen! And he said, But I'm here to tell you that your heart is where your home is. And some of you need to let people into your home. I woke up from that dream and I was like, I don't preach, man. That was good. <laughs> because it's the truth. Your heart is where your home really is. And guys, we can be in a spiritual community and we can honestly not let anybody get to know the real us sometimes. We get so scared of rejection or we get so scared of being criticized or we get so scared because we feel like we have to portray that we got it together and we're strong when to be honest with you, we're weak. And I'll just tell you guys, there is power in vulnerability in sharing your brokenness. There is power in that. Transparency, exactly. You know, I know, 
I became a Christian when I was in my early 20s. And, and some of you know my story. I was molested growing up pretty severely. And I had all this garbage inside me. And it wasn't until I was a Christian for several years before somebody finally sat me down and challenged me to go work through that stuff. And I was finally, for the first time after several years of walking with Jesus and trying my best, able to just be the real me. Because I was able to get all this garbage out of my heart that I tried for so many years to hide. And I was able just to confess some sin that I didn't know I was guilty of. Like stuff I've been carrying around in my heart. And there's power in that. And you want to know, when I shared the deepest, darkest, dirtiest things I've ever done with a group of people that I loved and trusted who loved Jesus, you want to know what they didn't do? They didn't reject me. And they didn't judge me. And they didn't love me any less. You want to know what they did? The opposite. They embraced me, they felt closer to me, they loved me more, and they respected me because I was able to be real with them. And even in working with other people, guys, there is power when you're doing evangelism and you're going out studying the Bible with somebody on campus. A lot of times these Christian groups will come in and they'll go and sit down with somebody and like, I'm up here and you're down here and you need to listen to me because I know God, I know the Word. I mean, there's a lot more power just in going and making yourself look like a fool. I'm serious, just, and I'm not like exaggerating, but just being honest about who you are. Because you know what that does to that person you're sitting across the table from? It gives them hope. And it makes them feel like they can be real with you too. And they don't have to front. But so many times campus ministries are just full of religious people who are just posers, man. Because they feel like they got a front. They fulfill that religious like that passage we read about people who go through the motions and their hearts are far from Dude, the heart of God is found in, in confessing how messed up you are and how good Jesus is because he makes you right. That's the power of the gospel, guys. But you cut the legs out from under the power of the gospel when you try to make yourself look like the powerful one. You're not. Jesus is. But guys, you can be a part of a community and even with other people, you can put up a front. And that's not real community. You've got to be part of a community, but you guys can be part of a group and you can still be isolated. You can be in a room full of people and be isolated. Don't do that. Be real and encourage one another. It's vital. D, deal quickly with divided devotion. We'll run through these quick. I know we're getting close to lunch here. Did they finish over there yet? I thought I heard applause, but... Um, Anyway, D is deal quickly with divided devotion. Just ask, what am I devoted to? Uh, Psalm 86.11 says, Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. A divided heart means you, your devotions are divided. Like what you're really committed to is divided. You may be committed partially to the Lord, but not wholeheartedly. And you saw all those passages we read about being wholeheartedly committed in Matthew 6, this is wrapped up too in your desires. Um, but your desires really stem from, like, what they are stems from Matthew 6. Okay, so look at this. It says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven 
where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How do you, how do you determine where your treasure is going to be? Well, look at what it says. The eye is the lamp of the body. Has that ever confused anybody whenever you read this? What is, what is he talking about? Like super, like heat vision? Like, I don't know. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and mammon. Or money, as it's translated here. Mammon is the kind of this false god that was over material things, um, but it translates to money here. Um, whenever he says the eye is the lamp of the body, what he's talking about, just to put it real simple, is whatever you look at is what you're worshiping. Whatever you are focused on is what you worship. That's why in Hebrews it says, let us keep our eyes focused on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. What do you meditate on as it relates to this? What do you think about? What dominates your thoughts? What are your long-term goals? What are your plans? What are you thinking about and focused on? That is what this passage pertains to. And if you're not very careful, you can allow your goals in life to rival your goals in life with God. A lot of times we will make plans and we'll determine to do things and not think about God. And we'll make this, this plan that we have more important than maybe what God would have us do. We don't even ask that question. We don't say, if the Lord wills. We'll do this or that. Kind of like the people in James. You have these business people making plans and just doing things without even thinking to say, is this what God would want for me? They were just focused on what they were focused on. So you got to ask on this one, guys, what am I focused on? Because your heart is going to follow after whatever it happens to be. Um, and I won't read the rest of these. You may make a note of Colossians 3, 1 through 4. I will read this one. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Um, I'll read this one to you. Psalm 19, 14. <laughs> May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What's your mind focused on? What's your heart meditating on? Are you thinking about God, or do you get up in the morning thinking about whatever it is you have to do that day, or long-term, whatever it is, you know? A lot of times, with young men, it's video games. Seriously, you will think more about getting that achievement in Fortnite than you will serving the living God. Or you might think more about, you'll be focused on getting a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whatever it happens to be, than you are serving God. You see how far I'm going with this? So it's tied to your desire, but you control what your desires are. Okay, and so um, real quickly, just some heart monitor questions, guys. We said, G is get into the word of God properly. Am I in God's word? Am I internalizing or storing up God's word? Is it being written on the tablet of my heart? Am I applying God's word to my life as I should? Under desires, uncover my greatest desire. What do I want really? What is my greatest desire in reality? Is my greatest desire God? Okay, if it's not, you got a heart problem. 
A is ask God for help. How is my personal prayer life? Do I ask God for help every day to shape my heart? Because supernaturally he can do so. How can I incur, uh, am I relying on the Holy Spirit in my life? R is rely on God's people continually. How can I encourage others in a godly manner? Am I isolated from godly people or am I part of a healthy church? What do I need to change? And then D, deal quickly with divided devotion. Guys, what do I meditate on? What dominates my thoughts? What or who am I really worshiping? I guarantee you guys, if you will work through that acronym and you will apply these principles, your heart will be guarded. But if at any one of these stages in the game, you throw your hands up and say, ah, it ain't that important, guys, you are going to have a heart that is turned away from the Lord. And so I just want to encourage you to take this material and apply it. Because just like the religious people in Jesus' day, you can come to a CMU workshop and you can hear all of these lessons and you can take in all of this information and do exactly nothing with it. But if you're going to have a heart that is going to be shaped by God and you're going to be the kind of person God wants you to be, when you hear the Word of God, guys, you will take it and you will internalize it and you will apply it to your life. And when you need help, you will go and ask for it and let others know that you're struggling in this area and need help and will be an encouragement to others. And so I just want to encourage you as we leave, take this stuff and apply it, guys. Don't be like, don't be like those religious people in Jesus' day. Are you hungry? Yes. No. Okay. Guys, don't get any food. Um, who likes Zaxby's? It is as good as any gas station. I'm just kidding. It's a running joke that I have with all the Zaxby's lovers out there. Do you love Zaxby's? Yeah, I love it. It's okay. It's chicken, you know, whatever. Uh, is Cane's better? Yeah. Cane's better? Cane is as good as any gas station. All right, hey, I'm going to pray for us and then uh, we're going to release Hey, I just want to ask you guys. When you go downstairs, if they're still going, if y'all can just try to be quiet as you go in and be respectful. They may be done. They're done. Uh, are they done? That's that's not done. Oh, they're not done. Okay. We'll try to be quiet uh, for them as we're leaving. But let me pray for us, okay? I'm going to pray for the food too. God, uh, thank you for uh, bringing us together again. Um, man, it, it's it's on this last day we could be so tired because we haven't had much sleep. And uh, we've been running, 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 taking in so much information. Uh, but I just pray that uh, we will take your word and internalize it and we'll take the lessons out of uh, all the stuff that we're learning and I know for me personally I'm looking forward to going and getting on the website later and uh, listening to the classes that I wasn't able to go to and listening to those that maybe I did go to but I was so tired that I wasn't able to adjust everything and so I thank you uh, you know for resources like the internet and uh, all these good teachers that we have that, uh, that we can tap into and so I just pray that we do that Lord and uh, and that we are changed and our hearts are right with you and it's in your name that I pray. Amen.